listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. With me today, I've got a real special guest all the way from Ireland, someone who is a wonderful teacher of kids with some great experience. Uh, I think we've got 10 years of experience, in fact, over a thousand lessons taught, uh, tons and tons of different students there, and someone who's also tried their hand at online teaching and is breaking into the social media market and absolutely killing it on YouTube with over 1.2 million views. Dave Donahue, welcome to the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me here, Michael. Uh, it's an absolute honor to have you on this podcast here, and it's been awesome seeing some of the cool things you're doing online. We've obviously been friends on Facebook for a while, and me just you know looking around Instagram and even jumping on YouTube every now and then. I keep seeing you pop up under a couple of different uh, you know names and pseudonyms and different ventures that you're doing. So it's great to see that you're busy, that you're trying to have an impact on your students, and you're doing so much for you know, all the people that you're helping. And yeah, I keep seeing your stuff and going, I've got to get this guy on. I've got to get this guy on. He looks like he's having so much fun. His students are having an absolute blast. And uh, I'm glad we could make it happen. Thanks so much. No, thanks for having me here. I've, I've been aware of Tim and um, the top music. I've followed that for a few years. And see, there's one guitar now. There's a guitar one. is so great. And so I've been following you as well. So thanks. It's great to catch up. Awesome. And for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast is all about taking teaching knowledge and taking it from the people who have that knowledge and transferring it to you, the listener, so that you can have a bigger impact on your students so that you can help the next generation of guitar players or older generations of guitar players who might not have got the kind of experience that you have now the first time they tried learning all those decades ago and so that you can live a much better, more fulfilling life, making more money, you know, having a much better run business so that you've got more freedom of time and, and opportunity and, of course, to have a bigger impact on your students. So we might get into it. Dave, why don't you give a brief background about your teaching and your journey, You know, whether it's just learning guitar for yourself into becoming a teacher and into transitioning into the online realm as well. Brilliant, yeah. So uh, basically, I started guitar at age 12 and I didn't want to go for lessons in the beginning and... I saw a band play one night that played Sultan the Swing and I just knew I was like I don't know how to do that <laughs> so I need somebody who knows so uh, within the next week my mum uh, had found me a guitar teacher and I went to him for five years his name was Declan Collins and uh, it was the most amazing five years ever and I think around year three I at age 15 I was like I want to be a guitar teacher and went to college, uh, got a master's in software, but it was always guitar teaching I wanted to do. And what happened was a friend of mine who was teaching at the time, he was finishing up. He gave me a call and said, listen, I have 15 students here if you'd like to be their teacher. So I was like, wow, 15. So I began teaching above a local tavern here. And 
a couple of years and those hard years, a year or two where I almost had to stop and try and get a job, but uh, stuck with it. And I've been teaching professionally for over 10 years. So, and it's, uh, I love it. It's great. That's awesome. And I can hear and obviously see how enthusiastic you look over the camera here, but hear how passionate you seem to sound about your teaching. And I can definitely relate having that lightning bolt moment where, you know, you just saw an inspiring performance and going, I've got to do this now and had something similar myself, but glad to hear you got such fond memories of your own teacher and some really cool opportunities just to have a bunch of students fall in your lap just like that. So what was it like just taking on 15 or 17 students just straight off the bat there? Oh, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was like, they came in the door and I was like, how am I going to remember their names? And I was, I was in my 20s at the time and they would have been like, you know, around 14, 15. So what happened was I began and the organization side of things, I was an absolute mess. And I was also playing in a couple of bands and I wasn't really like, it was teaching and gigging. Um, but it was when I made the decision, I was like, I'm focusing in on teaching. This is what I'm going to do. This is my skill set, communication, or business organization, and growth. That's what I doubled in on. So, like, my guitar skills slightly dipped, but I built up my teaching skills. Yeah, I'm sure the rest is history. And I know a lot of teachers find themselves in a similar position where they're a bit nervous about getting started or they don't know what to do. Or, again, they might be great players and they haven't the faintest clue how to build up the actual teaching skills and abilities. So would you have any tips or advice on how you sort of navigated not knowing any better and then becoming good at it? How did you go about that? I used to keep notes. Um, I still have a book from, I think it's 2011 or something, and I used to write mini notes about something in the lesson that I couldn't, I, I was like, it could have taken me five minutes to communicate or figure out on the spot. And I was like, why was that? So the next time it popped up, I knew what to do. I'd actually encourage the situation. So if teaching bar chords, if I was like, man, I, I'm not great at teaching bar chords, I pick three students the next week and I just dive in and get it going with them. But the demographics as well, like you'll find as a teacher when you start out, you'll begin to see that certain problems have certain characteristics for certain ages and demographics of students and guitar types. So it, it sort of builds in your brain as time goes on. And that's a really interesting concept that you bring up there. There's a whole like, you know, profiling kind of thing that you can do with your different students and go, hey, for this age group, these are the common problems. These are the behaviors and attention spans we might be dealing with. And we sort of might need to teach at this level. So maybe completely off topic here, uh, but a cool thing that's come up and I'd love to dive a bit deeper in it. What do you sort of notice across the different age groups and you know, maybe even genders or personality types? What's all the stuff you've seen over the years? Yeah, sure. So like, for example, um, when a child in Ireland here, we have primary school where they're in this school up until age 12. And then from 12 to 18, roughly, they're in secondary school. But that key age of 12, that seems to be a number that a lot of students finish up or their routine changes and they get more into sport or they get more into music. Um, so that'll be one, that'll be one demographic. That's of the finishing lessons variety. But um, the other one is guitar size and it is to do with activities. Like um, if a child comes in and I, I'll always ask, I'll be like, so are you into sport? And if they say, yeah, I do, I'll just name a few here as an example. I do soccer, I do football, I have badminton on a Tuesday and I have horse riding on a Thursday straight away like 
my mind goes to, okay, we really have to double down on them maximizing their time because they don't have as much as a kid who, for example, I never did sport. Uh, I wasn't great at it. So when I found guitar, I could put everything into it. And that's what I've seen. So a kid who can put everything into it, you have way more scope, but you can still get great results with the ones who have small amount of time, but you really have to teach them. There's a great book called The One Thing. You really have to teach them like the one thing to double down on every given week. Definitely write that one down, guys. The one thing, because uh, we're always looking for great books and recommendations. But yeah, absolutely mission critical when you've got someone who's got a shortage of time uh, to double down on the most important things. Uh, and this, this is something that I've noticed is that uh, if you ask the right questions, which it sounds like you do, you get answers which are going to lead you in the right direction. So if you're asking about, hey, what kind of things do you do outside of school, you're going to get a bit of indication of what the student's schedule is like, what their commitment level is like. And, okay, this is one of five activities. So I need to have a big impact on the student, make lessons fun initially to try and you know, make them put guitar as a bit of a higher priority than some of their other sports. Uh, and then, of course, if you get people with not many hobbies, then you still want to have that massive impact. But, of course, you're not really competing with as many things. So I'm sure you've noticed some more things like that as well. Yeah, big time. And one other thing was, like, it depended on the sport. Like, um, I've taught one or two students who do jujitsu, and that discipline and practice and follow through, it's kind of already built in. <laughs> so you don't have as much work to do getting them to practice, like. Uh, 100% and there's, if there's one pattern I've noticed is that anyone who, who does martial arts at the same time always ends up doing really really well with us because they've got that discipline they're in the habit of practicing the sports as well like there's a lot of people who do a lot of sports and they become good students but it often you know when they have to make a decision about something guitar lessons unfortunately are the things that you know get the chop at the end of the day more often than not but yeah, martial arts, especially with us doing guitar ninjas and uh, you know a, a very training-based kind of guitar program, I've definitely noticed that anyone doing taekwondo or karate or jujitsu always does really well at Melbourne Guitar Academy. But glad to see it's happening universally across the world <laughs> as well. Now, your school, Guitar Co, you know, primarily focuses on kids by the looks of it. And I know with some of your other adventures, you go a bit broader. But is this something that you've deliberately done and targeted this age group or something that just sort of developed naturally for you? Man, it just kind of happened. Like when I began teaching first, it was teenagers. And as the years went on with the advent of YouTube, um, what I saw the pattern begin to emerge in was teenagers trying to learn off YouTube. And then they might can care about getting lessons if they can kind of half play Seven Nation Army themselves. They're happy and the parent won't send them. Um, but then younger kids, um, I've taught kids as young as five upwards, but now it's generally like eight to 12. And uh, how did it happen? Basically, um, I, I have students who, they could be talking with other students at lunchtime in school and They'd be like, oh, I got this guy, Dave. And I've gotten calls off parents who would be like, you know, um, my young guy wanted to go to you for lessons. He heard about you off his friend. So it's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm like a big kid myself. So like, I think that comes through with the lessons. They're fun. They're engaging. And um, yeah, it, that's just how it happened. <laughs> that's awesome. And I think it's very, very important with kids that you you teach them at their level as well. I think that's a big mistake so many guitar teachers make is oh, I don't teach kids they just don't uh respond well or they're just not committed or whatever it's like yeah but you, it's almost like you're measuring all of your students at a, a standard of where you were wanting to be a professional or wanting to you know win competitions or be the next Jimi Hendrix but not everyone's like that let alone kids you've got to change your, your approach entirely so 
Do you have any advice or tips for people who do want to approach teaching kids, whether they are struggling with kids at the moment or whether they've given up on kids because they just can't make it work? Yeah, sure. Um, first thing I'd say is ask the kid what their interests are um, because that's always changing. Like the activities will remain timeless mostly, like soccer, football. So I, I always talk in analogies and metaphors and um, and some completely off-the-wall examples that they're at the stage where the kid might be like, this guy isn't talking about guitar, but at the end of the day, I am. I'll connect it back. Um, so you have the activities first, which are relatively timeless, and they're activities the kid can relate to. I always try and enter, like, in the learning environment, the kid's world, like, meet them where they're at with their interests. And then for trends, um, I gave a lesson to a group yesterday, and my, um, I have a great friend who runs a, a kid's drumming company, and he's all on top of the latest trends. But anyways, yesterday, the what was it? It's raining tacos. Somebody wanted to know what that looked like on guitar. I'd never heard it in my life. But I played it. I listened to it. I played it. And now all the kids at home, they're all buzzed about their E minor chord and their G chord. <laughs> so you kind of have to just roll with the trends and dig deep into the interests and bake that into your guitar communication. 100%. I, th I think definitely having your finger on the pulse is absolutely critical. And while I haven't done that, it's raining tacos. I'm definitely going to have to go and <laughs> look that one up as well. I have heard of that one, but I, I haven't taught it at this point in time. But yeah, meme songs, anything like that is you got to tap into TikTok, which is all the rage at the moment. And just these, you know, 15 second sound bites, just the kids absolutely love teaching stuff like that. Anything they can show off or uh, you know, to their friends or their family members or get up at school and play like something stupid or silly, it gets them engaged. And that's what it's about at that young age is just getting engaged and loving it and then get a lot more serious a bit later on. Now, in terms of the kids, are there any problems or struggles that you may have had along the years which you've had to overcome teaching this younger demographic? Practice would be, practice would be the big one. Like just getting them to practice. <laughs> and uh so to, like that was the key thing. No matter what I could pro I could produce in a guitar lesson, that's thirty minutes. And I'd say to them, "Listen, we've thirty minutes now. Nowadays is twenty minutes. I teach twenty minute one to ones for my one to ones, and like all the rest of the week, I don't know what happens, you know. And that's my responsibility. In the room is done. Um, so to help that, it's always about communicating with the parents and chatting with parents, doing phone calls emails uh finding out the obstacle for the kid uh there was one kid one time who he came in and he said um oh i didn't have time this week and i i, I thought i was like yeah right come on you you had some time seriously and we actually did a time management thing up on the board on the wall and i looked at his week and i was like wow this guy actually had no time and so straight away we knew what to work on so you know um practices was the biggest struggle and do you do anything to communicate to your parents like uh uh, hey, it's perfectly fine for them not to practice or do you come down uh, an expectation of they must do 30 minutes a day or a couple of times a week? Are you sort of strict with practice? Are you free-flowing? What's the uh, your perspective on that? Uh, I I think in terms of value, like in terms of value, if, if you're a parent paying good money that, and I know guitar teaching is seasonal a lot of the time, um, but like the wage that some teachers might earn it could be a lot more than the hard work that some parents have to do for hours and hours and hours. And if they spend some of their money sending their child to a lesson, I want to give them results. 
And I appreciate the angle of, well, they just love coming to you and they just love hanging out. Um, but at the end of the day, there's also the reputation of the teacher, I feel. Like um, if there's two kids side by side who've been coming for two years and one is playing and singing and the other is there going, what's the difference between E minor and E again? Which one's which? You know, it's like there's also the reputation side of it. But I, I do try and put the kids' enjoyment um, first and foremost. Yeah. How, how would you navigate that? Because I definitely get the same thing with my students is you've got one guy who's been playing for a year and can play eruption at you know, the age of nine. And you've got one guy who can't remember on the tabs what is the top string and what is the opposite string. So obviously it's the same teacher because it's you teaching them both times. So do you handball that back to the student? Do you uh, – tell the parent that unfortunately your son's just not that clever or maybe not cut out for guitar or do you sort of just say hey we're here to have fun we're going to try and nurture it but at the end of the day the responsibility is back on you so you know we could go a number of different ways there but what direction do you sort of go when you've got some high achieving students and you've got some low achievers and everyone else in between how do you communicate that to parents who aren't happy with the quality of the lessons when you've obviously got a really great track record with some other students i chat with the parent and i just say you know right so you you know yourself like you you'll see the ones that'll pick it up quick and then the, you can spot with the experience you can spot the difference it's very distinct between a child who is trying their best and just for some reason it just does the guitar isn't the most easy thing for them and the one who isn't really trying and isn't getting that far so if they're trying and they like it um i talk with the parent and just say you know what else can we do here to make it even more enjoyable? And even within the context of the pieces, you mentioned like Eruption and another song, um, like, for example, the G chord, there's multiple ways to simplify the G chord. There's multiple ways to simplify a rhythm. And if that child comes to a four chord song, G, D, E minor, C, and they're doing down strums and they're hanging on with the chords, well, I'd put them in a group then in a performance with the child who'll handle the bar chords or who'll play the solo. So the overall effect is they're included. They got stretched in terms of their ability. They put in the practice and they're not left out. So, you know, I, I'm trying to tick all the boxes as much as I can. Yeah. And there's some really good concepts there. You touched on simplification of students. Um, with kids, do you make uh, big adjustments to what you'd consider the traditional way of playing? Or do you just go straight to saying, okay, this is a bit too hard. How can we make this easier? Step by step, I break it down. I break it down to like the next small achievable step. So the kid, it's kind of the way I view teaching kids is it's like I'm training them to be their own teacher. So I'm like, listen, this is your goal. If this happens, step back to the last mini step. This is how you drill that step. And then when you're ready, take the mini step forward again. So um, G, D, E minor, C, I'll use again. Like, are, can do they recognize the shapes? Uh, can they play them clearly? Uh, how are their chord changes between G and D, between E minor and C? Connect up those pairs. And then can they play at a slow tempo now, working on their chord changes? So it's always a mini, mini step. So at no stage during the week can a kid go, I don't know what to do. I'm lost and I don't know. You know, they'll know the stage of the game they're on. Yeah, I think that's really, really powerful stuff. And I really like that idea of training this student to be their own teacher. And if they can sort of understand and comprehend it and explain it to themselves or someone else, 
uh, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, they've got the steps. All they've got to do is take the steps. So I think that's really, really awesome what you're doing there. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's good. Even in the groups, sometimes I'd say to the kids, I'd pair them off and I'd be like, okay, you're, you're, teacher tom here now and you're going to watch um i'll make up a name alana play her card and i want you to share with me what you think is going on so it's just the level of learning is so much deeper than me just saying this is how you do it let's do it you know yeah and speaking of you know buy-in you obviously got students doing more than just uh participating as students you're creating opportunities for them to engage with each other and to go that extra step further than beyond just a lesson. So what are some other ways teachers can further engage their students and make lessons more fun, more exciting, and more interesting? I, I double back down on the interests, like interests, and to make them more engaging and fun, ask them about a video game. Uh, I taught a student once who thought guitar was hard and it wasn't fun, and I said, what video games do you play? And he said, FIFA. I play FIFA. I said, brilliant. What's fun about FIFA? And so I wrote them all on the board, got the characteristics of what fun meant for him. And then I was like, okay, how can I bake that into guitar? And then I do it. And then I'd always connect it back to those elements from. So it's kind of like, I know kids don't aren't aware of their values, but it's figuring out what a kid values and baking that into your lesson. And the other thing was, I slipped my mind. Uh, but it was basically just to keep going with their interests. Oh, and the big why. Before I teach Anthony, I teach them why it's important. So it's not just another piece of info that they're they're just there to learn in the classroom. Really, really awesome stuff. Well, I'm going to be listening back to this and writing down everything you just said. It's absolute gold. And I hope everyone else listening at home is going to do the same. That's why we have these podcasts, guys, so that we can find some really awesome stuff. Like here's my you know, Dr. Evil, why I do this. So I can just extract all the information out of all the uh, other teachers who are doing amazing stuff. And of course, if you're at home and you think you're doing some really cool things and want to be on the podcast, reach out, michael at topmusic.co. We want to get you on the show here. And I'm sure, you know, connect via social media with myself, with Dave. We want to create a network and a community of awesome guitar teachers around the world. Uh, and Dave, keep the, the great stuff coming. I'm having so much fun in this podcast. Guys, when Tim first, <laughs> it's been great. When, when Tim Topham first approached me about doing the podcast, or top music in general, you know, I'd listened to a handful of podcasts. I was like, yeah, I started one during lockdown uh, and I did one episode because I just got so excited about all the things I was going to do with my newfound time during lockdown. The podcast was uh, one project. I think we actually released the episode. It was with Michael Dolce about 10 episodes ago called From the Vault, where I just basically resurrected this one episode I recorded and put it out to the top music community. Um, but when I started doing these podcasts again, I was like, man, Tim Topham has the best job in the world, just interviewing awesome music teachers from around the world. And yeah, this is just as much for my own enjoyment as it is for you guys, the listeners. And I hope you guys are enjoying what we're talking about here. And I'm sure we've got plenty of cool stuff to come. Uh, and I do want to ask you more about the online side of things, Dave, but maybe just one more thing about Guitarico and your offline business. I noticed that you are putting up a holiday camp, a multi-day kind of uh event that people can attend i believe it might be during the school holidays you have uh up in the northern hemisphere there but why don't you tell us a bit more about these guitar camps because they sound absolutely amazing yeah sure so um basically the guitar camps we're running one again at halloween here uh, we ran one in august of this year and there was two age groups uh age seven to nine and then age 10 to 12 uh, so we separated out the two age groups and with the camps basically in 
pure beginners are welcome. Uh, speaking of the simplification of cards and concepts, so they're pure welcome. And I spoke with a parent uh, one day who was inquiring about lessons, and the parent asked, they, they said, uh, you know, is it a good idea for them to come to camp? And I was like, it's the best thing ever. It's like total immersion. Like they're, they're there for a couple of days, and it's just the ultimate boost. And uh, so I've seen kids who've done the four to five days and man, it's crazy. Like they've clear cards, their fingers are moving fast and it's just like a couple of months worth of lessons in one batch. So um, what we do is I run them with my wife, uh, my wife Sapta, uh, she does mindfulness and movement. So what the feedback we got from the camp was the mix of both worked really well. Uh, so they'd have elements of guitar, and when they'd be sitting for so long, once they start to get a bit sleepy, we'd be like, okay, time to do some movement now. So they go out to the gym and they'd be like yoga, mindfulness, and we connected back into the music. And um, we ran, what was it, a song? Instead of it being one big song and the kid getting bored of it, I created this thing. We just, we called it the song sandwich. It's where we picked ingredients and we put them together to create one one sort of basically a medley, just song sandwich sounded funner for them. And uh, so we had a bit of Bad Habits, we had a bit of Shivers by Ed Sheeran, we had a bit of uh, Green Green Grass by George Ezra. But the beauty of that as a teacher is if you do these song sandwiches or medleys with the kids, sometimes you won't know coming in the door the ability of all those kids. So straight away, I did a quick spot check. I was like, okay, up here, can everyone try a G? And if you don't know a G, it's totally okay. So I connected what four to five cards they all knew. And uh, then from that, I spent about five minutes just speaking on the topic of how we're all at different levels and how if we were all at different levels of being, um, how do you say, uh, chefs and things, we'd still collaborate. So it just brought all the kids together and the medley thing worked really well. So there was different things to keep them interested. So that, that's how the camp worked. Yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. And there's so many things I just want to ask you about on the back of that. But I think a really cool point you brought up was the word immersion and this idea of, you know, immersion-based events and the fact that you can really condense time rather than teach five topics across five weeks. If you teach five topics across five days, the student is effectively four weeks ahead. They get all that result just condensed down into a, a shorter period of time. So, yeah, and on the back of that would be talking about the idea of often we put limitations on our students and go, Hey, this is kind of the trajectory that most people take. This is what most people are capable of. But if you do five lessons in five days or you challenge students to rise to certain occasions, uh, they can do some amazing things. And, um, you know, I've noticed often we get people say, Oh yeah, the ADHD kids or autism kids often they can't focus on anything. But I'm yet to meet, meet a uh, you know ADHD kid who couldn't focus on Minecraft for five hours straight or play PlayStation or Xbox. Or once they guitar became their thing, the ability that they could just totally zone in on focus on that and just you know turbocharge their results like that. So yeah, the fact that you can really tap into some certain things and, and get amazing results when you find what motivates the student and tapping back into your video game analysis from a bit earlier and asking them what is their what is there? Why, why do you enjoy this? And what are the fun things about that and relating that to guitar? You know, absolutely amazing stuff. Thanks. Yeah. The, just on the ADHD point, like if a parent, uh, when a child comes in the door, 
like it's happened many a time where I'd be teaching the child and I could teach the child for a year or two. And next thing I might, I might be told, oh, they've ADHD. And when they come in the door and the label isn't put on them, as a teacher, your mind, I find my mind is very open. Then I'm like, they're all the same here and I'm here to teach them rather than put them in a category and my teaching to be totally restricted perhaps with my approach towards them. Yeah, and that's an interesting point you bring up, the whole labeling theory. And you know, when you hear someone's on the spectrum, sometimes it changes your behavior towards them. Uh, to go back to what you said at the very start of this podcast about like uh, having certain uh, demographics and things like that, I found that you know giving some of our – because we run primarily group-based learning, we're pretty much 98% groups – but giving them some extra special uh, roles within the lesson to say, okay, well, you're going to look after this person or you're responsible for, you know, doing this little lesson summary at the end or, hey, we're going to pair you up and make you a buddy with this person. Can you help them out? And I found that giving some of these, you know, special needs kids special jobs and extra responsibilities often gives them that sense of belonging they don't necessarily get in every other activity and maybe guitar does get to be their thing or the simple fact that we do give them a chance or we do try and make them feel special included that's often all the difference that they need to get that sense of belonging and and to find that achievement yeah that's nice yeah i like that now i have noticed uh, i could talk about this camp maybe i'll ask you one more question with the whole like uh, mindfulness and uh, body and movement how do you normally go about incorporating that in into guitar and what's the importance of it sure so uh how it incorporated into guitar is that i talk with the kids about like how our mind a lot of the time we're just trying to we're given instructions on guitar and it's like these are the things you do this and we're we're kind of analyzing it criticizing it going did i get it did i not so with the guitar then now in terms of the camp and the mindfulness, my wife has like sound healing bowls and things like that. So she, she, she does that stuff. I, uh, I, I tried the sound bowl. I'm going to stick to guitar, <laughs> but basically, um, like with the guitar, then I bring the kids together after they're grounded and I would, uh, give them a note each on the guitar and just get them all together playing the one note and just get them to listen to the tone of the note the characteristics of the note, the volume, and it's only one note. So we're all honing in on the present moment of how it sounds. So that'll be a bit of a touch on the mindfulness on the guitar, just keeping it so simple. And let's say if three kids were, if three groups of kids were given the those certain frets and certain strings that if I give three kids one of those positions each, I can play some nice finger style stuff on top. So the overall sound is this lovely, relaxing thing. They're a part of it, and they're just focusing on the notes. Awesome. So you kind of bring them into like a, a whole group meditation, reflecting upon what they're playing and doing the all too important things a lot of us overlook is actually listening to what we're playing. I think guitar players are more guilty of that than any other instrument is just playing mindlessly. <laughs> yeah. Now, in terms of... Going back in the different direction, you have been absolutely smashing it on the social media, whether that's just uploading uh, photos and videos of your students playing online, building a presence for your Guitarico Kids Guitar Lesson page, but as well as your TikTok and your YouTube and I think even Instagram as well, it seems like you're smashing it on all fronts. Um, what sort of caused you to pivot into content creation? Uh, basically, 
what happened was um i i'd been doing it for like i'd been teaching for a couple of years and i'd people say to me oh man you should put videos up on youtube like we're talking like 2013 here and i didn't i just i just was in my own offline world and uh then what happened was i remember i think it was march of 2017 roughly that's when i would have started properly um i just went on youtube and i saw there was no guitar lesson for ed sheeran galway girl that had come out that day so i mean with my phone and i think it's still up there like with my phone on a wobbly tripod thing on the front facing cam on whatever older version iphone it was no microphone no nothing i just taught the lesson and next thing the following day i checked in and i was like man this is crazy there's like eight hours worth of video watch time on that lesson and i'm here in this room teaching for five hours and that video i said the same stuff in the video as i would in person and uh, that's kind of what started it um it's been on and off in terms of consistency um but in terms of content it's just the ability to reach unlimited amounts of people and to teach. And it's a, it's definitely a step out of the comfort zone for many guitarists. And I definitely feel nowadays that like, of course there's video, there's courses out there on how to be better on video, how to be more confident. But one of the best ways I know how is hit record, put it up there and just keep recording. And um, because it's not the internet isn't going to go backwards here like it's only going to get more and more video and uh as a teacher it's definitely important to to put yourself out there that's it and teachers if you're listening to this at home and you're thinking about doing youtube and you are nervous about getting started just think back to when you first started playing guitar and think back to what you tell your students just like you got to do it you got to practice it you got to get better at it the more you record the more comfortable you get and I think uh, you can look at any any of these YouTubers, any of your favorite guys, and just go to the oldest tab, search for their videos, search for their page, and go to oldest and see how terrible some of their original videos are. Uh, I remember those of you who have heard me mention, I'm a, a massive fan of Grant Cardone, and I went to a, a, an event with him, and he told me and a handful of other people in this event that you know about this video that I had to watch, and sure enough, it was like the fourth one on his channel, and you guys can see this. He's just giving a speech to like three people just starting out barely anyone's paying attention and there's all the comments like man this guy talks a big game he's never going to get anywhere in life and then you know now he's a billionaire and there's videos from seven eight years ago where he's just getting started no one knows who he is but he didn't he didn't care he didn't let that stop him he just kept on doing it and doing it and yeah now you can laugh at the the dozen or so people that just were telling him to quit while he was ahead and that he'd never amount to anything in all these it's really really funny but Guys, just like you encourage your students, of course, you should take your own advice and just get out there and do it. Yeah, the the guy I actually did is a business summit. He had a biz, online business summit last weekend. But uh, that thing he said about uh, best best known beats best quality, you know, like a lot of guitar teachers, I feel, think it's too late to do YouTube and think it's too late to get online. But the reality is you could have five lessons up online for the same thing and people will gravitate towards certain teachers. Um, I know there's like certain huge YouTube channels up there, but not everybody's into that and they'll find somebody else. So it's never too late. As you said, like uh, my good friend, Eric Barassa, uh, I, I connected the dot almost straight away. But when you said uh, Galway Girl came out and you were the first person to make a video for it or there was no other videos, his whole strategy is as soon as a new album drops, 
he just tries to get all the videos out for that particular album or single so that he'd be the first one. And it's a great strategy. It gets him so many views. And uh, the other thing that you said is, yeah, people resonate with different teachers. Some people are going to think the idea of learning from someone up in Ireland is really cool or some Aussie guy down down under is going to be a great teacher to learn from. And there's other people who are super technical, um, other people that, you know, super scientific, uh, engineer, analytical kind of personalities. You're just going to find the teacher that resonates with you. But, yeah, as long as you can become the, the best well-known person in your niche. But, yeah, and if there's anything that COVID sort of taught us is like if you had have started just before the COVID and the lockdowns and the pandemic and all those things, you had a huge influx of people all of a sudden stuck at home with nothing to do, YouTubing things. And if you had been prepared there, then you would have uh, been able to ride that wave. And I do know a few friends of mine who did, you know, do really well. And that's kind of launched them into the the next kind of uh, level of their their YouTube stardom and things like that. But again, it's, it's never too late to start. And there's always going to be people out there who are your audience. You need to find out what resonates with uh, your audience and go out and be yourself. And there's going to be fans. Big time. Now, I think you're up to 10,000 YouTube subscribers and over... 1.2 million videos and you have already kind of touched on the fact that you know it's a bit inconsistent and uh, you just sort of got a camera and hit record but have you done anything deliberately or intentionally to grow your channel or to get more views or to uh, you know get the attention that you are getting yeah that, that strategy of teaching new songs um i had done that for quite a while uh, basically like every friday i'd go online and go oh cool new song i'll teach it quick and i'll put it up I did that for quite a while. Um, now, uh, then the other thing I did, and there was hits and misses. Justin Timberlake's new album was quite a flop online in the learning space, whereas Shawn Mendes' album, I think I got like 2,000 subscribers in the space, like two weeks or something. And um, so that, that was one thing, but I really leaned into short form video in the last three weeks. I was thinking, you know, for any teacher who's been teaching quite a while, and the ability to communicate just one tip that can change a player's playing. Um, so basically, I batch record. I record uh, 45 videos at a time now, and they're all under a minute. And then those get re- uh, those get put up on TikTok, uh, on Instagram Reels, and they get put up on YouTube Shorts. Uh, and so basically, that's three platforms. And the, that lately has brought a huge amount of subscribers and watch time to the channel. I think there was 26,000 more views in the last three weeks alone on my channel because of YouTube shorts. Well, we, and in terms of doing that content, like, cause I'm apprehensive about those kind of mainly TikTok, um, but I'm a big proponent of, and I'm not going to knock anything cause there's a million different ways to, you know, skin a cat <laughs> or there's no one way to teach guitar, but I'm a big proponent of uh, you can waste a lot of time on social media uh, creating content without getting much traction. Uh, do I need to be on TikTok? Do I need to be doing these short form videos? I definitely have noticed the trend of attention spans getting smaller and smaller. And if uh, TikTok is kicking all the the butt that it is, just going to make sure I don't uh, trigger the, uh, the census here for top music. <laughs> the... Um, TikTok is totally smashing all the other social media platforms through its short form and then YouTube and Instagram and everyone else has sort of adopted that. So is that a sign that more guitar teachers need to get on TikTok or to embrace these shorter form videos? 
I think the first thing guitar teachers need to do is clarify your end goal. Is it that you're looking to build your email list to enroll students? Is it that you have a course that you're looking to sell? Is it that you're looking to build an email list to ask them, what are your problems? What are your needs? Then build your thing. Um, I think clarifying that first. I kind of started creating on YouTube first just because I, I was like, this is great fun. Like, there's people commenting underneath. And, but you got to kind of look because I've seen YouTube channels with 200,000 subscribers and they have a Patreon and they have like, they're earning $17 a month off Patreon, even though they have 200 subscribers. So you kind of have to look. Uh, my go-to is building my email list. I build my email list. I connect with people that way. I share stories. I teach lessons. And I ask them, what's your single... Like, when it could, there's a, a, an amazing book called Ask by Ryan Levesque. Um, so it's basically you ask your email list, when it comes to X, what is the number one single biggest challenge or frustration you're facing right now? And I've asked that of people who join my list and the answers aren't what I thought they'd be. And all of a sudden I help them. I create content then based on that. So, uh, sorry, went off on a bit of a tangent there, but uh, long story short, get your end goal in sight. And it's not about the vanity metrics at all. Uh, I I'd wholeheartedly recommend guitar teachers to build your email list. It's the one thing that can't be taken away from you. Yeah, and a great tangent because tangents always lead to better questions and, and the next level. But So how would uh, someone listening to this go about building their emailing list? Uh, first thing is have something of value. Uh, I wouldn't go with a newsletter. People's attention spans are so short nowadays that like, and the last thing people want is more email. Uh, so it has to be something that is, how would you say, that helps solve a problem, that gives them a quick win, that doesn't take too long to apply, and that when it does that, that they look at you as the person who's like, God, geez, this guy's really helped me here. And he obviously has some knowledge or she obviously has some knowledge. Um, so I have a lead magnet, it's called, for anybody unfamiliar with it. Uh, the number one best way I found to build my list is using a thing called a, it's a quiz. I basically have a quiz now and it's a, what's your number one beginner blind spot on guitar? And it's where the person's brought through a personalized assessment and by the end, it if they're a beginner, it helps them with one of the top five beginner mistakes. And they get a free lesson. They get a 10-page PDF report. And all of a sudden, now you have somebody on your email list. And um, how would you say? They're after getting this experience rather than just downloading a free thing that they mightn't have even opened. Um, and for you then, with the quiz... Um, now you, you have to enable the proper data privacy <laughs> protocols because they're different everywhere. But for you now on your email list, you have an email, but when you see the email, you're like, oh, that's Frank. Frank struggles with open cards. He's into learning off YouTube. He, uh, he's been playing three years and all of a sudden you have all these things that you can help them with. And so if I'm sending out an email, then I'm an email list to, to talking about learning off ultimate guitar. I mightn't send it to this guy, Frank, because he learns primarily off YouTube. So the emails then are personalized and customized. And it creates better connection, lets you teach better lessons, and it can help your business. So that's I'm all about I'm all about building the email list. <laughs> oh, awesome. And obviously you must have some sort of software that you're using to help keep track of all those things, or are you a spreadsheet dude? 
Oh man, spreadsheet brings back such bad memories of school. <laughs> um, I try and use spreadsheets. My my assistant, she she um she keeps it clean. It's great. Uh, but I use a I use loads of different software. Uh, I use Bucket.io for uh, that's the word Bucket for my quizzes. I use ConvertKit for email software. Uh, then I use Calendly for. Uh, booking discovery calls and things like that so what i might do dave if you don't mind i might uh circle back to what you said about content creation because when it's when you said you do 45 videos in one go so what is the whole process of uh i guess you must plan it out and then uh set up the recording studio and just go through and do you edit yourself what's the whole process that you're doing behind uh your youtube and obviously shorts content creation there Sure. Um, I use a tool called answerthepublic.com. And what that does is you put in a search term and it shows you all the top things people are searching for online. Uh, so I'd enter, and the, for me, the, for beginners, since that's who I'm um, teaching, uh, it'd be open chords, alternate picking, strumming, uh, finger picking, and bar chords. So when you enter those things into that tool, they'll it'll put up all the major search terms on Google, like all the how questions, the whys, the whats, the wheres, and the comparisons. So what I did was I put those into a spreadsheet, and I imported that, and I picked what I did for the first 45, 45 pieces of content uh, last month, because I'm only doing this a couple of weeks, was um, I picked a couple from each category. And I sat down in the one sit, and it took about an hour and 10 minutes and I just, and I, by the way, I did wear three different tops. So it doesn't, and so my, my social media thing doesn't look like one big long day. Um, so I recorded all of them. And then the editing process, that last round, I, I caption all of them. I don't know where this trend about everything being captioned has come from, but I'm rolling with it. Um, so I, I heard it's because uh, people read their phones on the toilet. <laughs> so, I think that's what it was. They scroll on the toilet and if the, the sense, if the text makes sense or it gets their attention, they obviously don't want to put the volume up because then everyone knows what they're doing. So they just sit there minding their own business and, and reading the captions. I believe I'm almost 100% certain that's the reason. <laughs> and here's me hoping they're sitting there playing guitar while they're watching videos. Um, but yeah, so basically the captions, I put them into Instagram, then into Instagram Reels. Um, for anybody, it'll depend where you're from. My Irish accent, uh, so many caption software things were having problems. Everything, instead of cards, it was cards. <laughs> so uh, what happened was uh, I put them into Instagram. I export them. So now they're captioned. And then I, last time I uploaded them all to Google Drive and my assistant, she scheduled them for um Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, and YouTube Shorts. And I did TikTok. Uh, so then that's how they all went up. They didn't go up in a specific order. My only instruction was, you know, uh, pick one from this batch. They were in three different batches of 15s uh, for the different colored tops. <laughs> and pick one, one, one. And um, so that was me leading with the content. And then what I did was uh, three weeks later, I looked at the data. And I was like, okay, what are people responding to? Where I'm getting the most engagement, most comments, uh, most likes, most shares. And I'm doubling down. I'm going 80-20 on it. I'm going 80% in on 
the most popular content and 20% is experimenting with new content. Um, so then the last round, which got finalized this morning, I basically sat, my dream is just to sit down and record and teach and I hand everything else off. Um, so she did the quick little clips of the editing just to jolt the frame a bit. And uh, that's it. It's uploaded then. And I get to just do what I love and teach. That's awesome. That's the dream, isn't it? Just uh, getting someone else to do all the uh, the nitty gritty, like the editing and the uploading and all that rigmarole. Yeah. So maybe what does an average day look like in your life? And, and what sort of prompted you to you know build this lifestyle, hire someone else to go and do it for you? Sure. Um, so my my greatest uh problem has been over the years doing everything myself and i got to a stage where i realized i can't <laughs> it's just not it's not possible and i shouldn't be doing everything myself so uh, my average day at the minute looks like i teach there's a mixture of one-to-ones and groups i teach three to three p.m to around seven p.m uh that used to be three p.m to nine p.m but as I got older, I was just like, no, I'll just the smaller teaching hours. So that's that's that time frame. Come 7 p.m., I do a workday shutdown ritual. I use something called the Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt. That's an amazing planner, and it encourages you just to do a shutdown at the end of the day. Uh, nighttime then, just try and chill out. I think that's a, that can be a struggle, especially when you do your own thing. Um, there's no boss telling you to not do it or do it. Um, and then morning times I get up, uh, I depend on what's going on. I'm married. So I make sure that I have quality time with my wife as well, because night times it, by the end of the evening, uh, there isn't a whole lot to be doing. Uh, so there could be morning time activities and I try and do two hours high priority work on my business during the day. Like I view my guitar co private lessons as I love it. I also view it as like my job and then my online is like the side hustle that I'm building up. And I work with a business coach, so he keeps me big shout out to Arnold. Arnold keeps me on track. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, you know, you're doing so much and it's great to hear that you're trying to, you know, do more and, and get to that next level and and help out. But yeah, the idea that you've got to have some unwind time at the end of the day is really, really important. Getting proper sleep and giving some time to your relationships, all very, very important stuff. Now, I know we are getting towards the end of the podcast here, and I'm going to get up to one of my favorite questions. Uh, and you've already kind of given us two recommendations. So you can either reiterate those ones or go off and uh, give us some new ones. But what are maybe three books you'd recommend our listeners go and check out and read? Um, in terms of overall life and success type things, the success principles by Jack Canfield is brilliant. That is so good. In terms of a business book, um, ask by Ryan Levesque. Um, it's amazing. It's very technical and nitty gritty stuff. And it's been updated at the minute because it was written a couple of years ago. That's an amazing book all about just instead of building, um, something that you think your audience will want or your students will want. It's about asking them what they want. Uh, then the third book, really, I do like the 10X rule about Grant Cardone. Like that, that in terms of like bigger thinking and bigger actions. And listen, if you don't get the goal, you probably got farther along than if you didn't set a 10X goal. So yeah, I'll add, I'll add uh, 
Grant Cardone and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, solid choice, solid choice. That's my biggest recommendation that anyone watching this podcast, if you don't have 10X Rule by Grant Carter in any collection, just go out and get it pretty much straight away. That is the reason why you guys are all listening to this podcast, without a doubt. I don't know where I would be if I didn't read that book back in 2015. But some solid, uh, solid, solid recommendations there. I'm going to go check out the first two you mentioned as well. Um, and if you could impart one final piece of wisdom on our listeners, whether they're guitar teachers, guitar players, what would you share with them? Uh, don't let life pass you by. Like, you know, life, it's its long in one sense and it's short in another. And I think we can get so caught up in the goals or in the in the routine of things to step back and ask yourself, what is it that I enjoy about this uh, guitar? Like for me, I've I definitely struggled in the past with like, it's an instrument that I grew up loving. And then all of a sudden when it's your job, it can be hard to sometimes distinguish it uh, from the playing of it. So, you know, keep checking in with what you enjoy about it and be okay about that. Like it's okay. It's okay for me to enjoy teaching kids aged eight to 12 and not be going into the advanced electric stuff it just like you you know so just just be okay about what you're doing that's some awesome advice and you know really solid wisdom i think a lot of people could learn from you know don't forget why you started playing guitar and make sure you enjoy doing it especially after eight hours of teaching it to other people or however long but dave it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast i'm really really looking forward to this episode coming out and you know sharing it with our top music fan base and the other guitar teachers all around the world uh, thank you so much for coming on. Where can our listeners find out more about you or connect with you online? Uh, so they can find the the kids' guitar material because there's tips up there for parents and uh, other teachers have watched the material as well and they've learned from it. Uh, that's guitarico.com. That's the word guitar followed by the letters A-C-O.com. And then to keep in track with the online things, if you want to see how I run the online uh, teaching side of things uh, that's the school of guitar.com so guys you heard it from the man himself make sure you like and subscribe and of course the best way to get the uh the lowdown on what's working obviously follow along for his youtube journey or his tiktok or whatever platform you're on dave thanks once again for tuning in it's been a pleasure having you and i look forward to our next conversation and for all our listeners at home thank you so much for tuning in if you would like to be on the podcast because you're doing something amazing, if you know another teacher who's doing some awesome things and you'd love to recommend them to be a guest, make sure you hit me up, michael at topmusic.co. And of course, we'll make it happen. Guys, we'll see you in the next exciting episode of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me, Michael. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.